0: Hello everyone and welcome to another recap race analysis here on the Cycling Dane Extra channel. Or if you're listening on the Cycling Dane podcast, today was stage 12 of this year's Tour de France. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Greg's up, Ewan Wilson. I mean, Yuen, what happened on today's stage?
1: Well, today's stage from Rouen to Belleville en Beaujolais was a tough one, a rolling profile with three nasty climbs in the second half of the day. Everyone was attacking to go in the breakaway, a real tough fight for the breakaway. Indeed, that lasted about 60, 70 kilometers. No breakaway was sticking. By the time we went live at 100 kilometers to go, the breakaway still hadn't really formed. Soon after, at about 80 kilometers to go, there was a group that eventually sort of formed, the big name in there being Mathieu van der Poel, but a couple of teams had multiple riders, D, Star, who had some riders up there, also Thibaut Pinot, who was the highest place in GC, who was looking to gain and jump into top 10. That new breakaway that formed about halfway through the stage, they sort of, uh, they worked fairly well together in the first part of, of this second chapter of the stage. On the descent of the... First climb, we saw Andrew Amador and Mathieu van der Poel actually go on the offensive, with van der Poel attacking Amador on the second of the three final climbs of the day. Behind in the peloton, things were quite calm. I guess, after what was a very hectic opening, things were sort of being glued back together after some riders were dropped early on. In the breakaway, though, van der Poel soloed across the top of the Montmain climb, taking the riders into the descent, whilst Thibaut Pinot and Jorgensen distanced the main body of the breakaway to go solo in chase of Van der Poel. At the beginning of the final climb, the croix Rosier, they actually bridged up with Van der Poel, Pinot, and Jorgensen together. However, behind, Kofodis really upped the ante with Guillaume Martin and Izaguirre preparing for an attack. Izaguirre was the chosen son. He went over the top. No one could really follow. Guillaume Martin sort of foiling the chase attempts behind. And by the time they sort of looked at each other, the gap had grown out to about 30 seconds. It came quite close over the top of the climb to roughly 13, 15 seconds at one point. But once we began the descent, Izaguirre was looking very, very cool, calm and collected. Whilst Guillaume martin sort of sat at the front of the group and sort of halted the chasing efforts. Matteo Jorgensen, Thibaut Pinot, people were trying to go off, they were trying to relay together, but quickly, by the end of the descent, Izaguirre had almost one minute of an advantage. At that point, Group 2 Syndrome really sat in for our main body of the, of the breakaway. Matteo Jorgensen, Pich Benoit, Borgodeau attacking, 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 trying to make something stick. Nothing really stuck until about two kilometers to go. Bourgogneau and uh, Jorgensen went for it. Jorgensen, he looked incredibly strong today. They sort of rode together, but it was too late. At this point, Izagira had a one-minute advantage to take his second Tour de France stage win, his fourth Grand Tour stage win Um, here in Belleville and Beaujolais. Another Basque breakaway win as well for for Isaguera, which is good news for Coffee Dees, who get their second win of this Tour de France. They had to wait 15 years until the beginning of this Tour de France, and Victor Lafay won in San Sebastian in the Basque country, and here in the home department of Victor Lafay, it's the Basque rider who wins in Beaujolais. Second place in the day went to Mathieu Bourgogneau, who outsprinted Jorgensen on the line, whilst the remnants of the breakaway really rolled in and drips and drabs, with Pinot gaining about three minutes, catapulting him up into the top ten of GC, but in tenth place. In the GC group, nothing really happened in the final 50... 50- Kilometers, Ineos try to control things to sort of lower the threat of Pino, who was about to jump into maybe top six in GC at one point. That's really all you have to, all you have to know for the GC fight today.
0: I mean, yeah, and yeah, as you said, Coffee is waiting so long for one stage win and getting two. The morale in that team must be absolutely electric. But Isigater, such a consistent rider, and really just adding another chapter to what is a very good Palmares, but. Yeah, do you think Cofidis might
1: do more here, and uh, is potentially as well? I mean, is it good as a like a fantastic rider? Uh, I think he's often overlooked. He's just sort of a, a rock, like a cornerstone of of the UCI World Tour level. He's got so many big results. He's won UCI World Tour stage races, two in fact. He's won stages of all three Grand Tours, and he's thirty four years of age. He's he's just sort of riding this wave. And Kofidis, I mean, evidently the morale is high. They were saying the other team, there was an interview with Anthony Perez at the rider sign-in the other day in Talbot. And he was saying, yes, I mean, the morale was super high the other day. And we want to keep that vibe going throughout the team. And they've been in breakaways. They've been looking so much better than they were in, in the past couple of tours de France. Maybe they put too much pressure on themselves and they... Look down on themselves. They were a team that were promoted in 2020 and sometimes fell out of place at the world tour level. And remember, Guillaume Martin has now moved up into top 15 in GC, which is a big achievement for him. He's in the Martin zone, which is finishing in top 15 at the Tour de France. It's where he sort of he always seems to finish at at, at the tour. It might come again. I think they could still win a stage. Isague or Martin? They're my two guys who could still win. Oh, Victor La no. I think he's faded a little bit in the in the sort of rest of this race. I thought Lafay would be up in the breakaway today, given that uh we're only 30 or so kilometers north of his hometown. I thought he might might go in the break. But um uh, I think he's pretty cool. Maybe he he peaked for that first week and he's kind of zoned out of the race. He's already won a stage worn the green jersey for a couple of days, followed Pogacar and Vingo up a mountain. If I were him, I'd call it quits. I'm like, you know what? I'm happy with my Tour de France. Coffee just really could just quit the Tour de France if they wanted to, but yeah, um, top fifteen and two stage wins—that's that's better than they would have hoped.
0: Yeah, I mean, such a long history as well as the team, which is great to see that they they're finally coming back into some sort of success. Also, as well.
1: winning the sort of battle that they have between these French teams at the yeah, Tour de I was going to say that
0: because uh, they are the best French team right now compared to AG2R Citroen, which we're getting on to now. Um, you and we had this weird split where we had the Ben O'Connor Sepkoos kind of this a massive gap, three-minute gap, and then AG2 asked to try and get to the front. Ben O'Connor was in the other group, but his team was working against him, but they missed the breakaway and uh yeah, they haven't had a great tour of France, but uh yeah, they did you Jumbo Visma a huge favor there.
1: Okay, so I'm into the... There are two kind of reasons, parts of rationale I'm going for for this move, because it seemed really strange. Ajdezer, who I don't think have controlled a metre of this race, suddenly appearing on this Beaujolais stage whilst their leader of Ben O'Connor is behind. Okay, rationale number one, they wanted to set up Felix Gao for the final climb of the Croix-Rosier. They wanted to dig deep. They actually reduced that gap to the breakaway by about a minute over the first of the three climbs, the casse Froide. I thought then for a second, if oh, they gave they, they gave it a little bit more oomph. Gal could be up there, get the mountain points, and then try to go for a stage win with someone in that group as well. Rationale number two, which I think is the more nuanced side, which I saw online, is that, I should say, we're trying to create a gap. Yes, Ben O'Connor was behind, but Felix Gal, who's been climbing better than O'Connor, was gaining a lot of time on GC against Emil Buchmann, Mika Landa, uh, Sepkus, these guys who are in front of him in GC, you could go down the path of thinking that they were trying to get rid of uh, Mainkeys as well in, included in that one they were trying to get rid of those GC guys who sat three minutes back at the point where Aja were up on the road and they were trying to move Felix Gal right up into maybe 12th, 13th place in the GC standings within a good place of getting into top 10 in GC by the end of this race. They seem to have abandoned that project. We don't know which one of these two pathways they went down. Eventually it, it just seemed like they gave up the good and that group that included Emil Borchman O'Connor, Kuss, all these guys who were sitting inside top 15 who were going to lose big time today they eventually just made it back it was a really strange dynamic but I just think that first sort of hour and a half of racing tired out the peloton completely that's where we saw that the Ben O'Connor group drop back and once that breakaway was established and the racing finally like halted that's when people like, you know, calm down we've got Grand Colombier and two days in the Alps to come, we can't we can't race like this every day.
0: I mean, third option is that the sports directors were just annoyed that they missed the breakaway and were telling the team to just destroy themselves at the front. We've seen that a few times as well. But yeah, who knows? We'll only know if Netflix actually covered a G2R Citroen on this stage. I doubt they did. But yeah, uh, nevertheless, Ineos Green days did very well to mark the move as well by Thibaut Pinot. But I mean, you and David Goudou and Thibaut Pinot, who are they working for? Goudou saying that he's not really doing GC. He's not been looking great this season in Dauphiné. Thibaut Pinot, obviously, how much has he got left in the tank considering he did so much work and did so well at the Giro winning the blue jersey. But yeah, Groupama FDJ, question mark.
1: And, well, they both said they want stages, but they're both in top 10 the Tour de France is very different nowadays. You know, like back in maybe 2016, 17, 18, you could, sat, you could be sat ninth place in GC and be allowed in a breakaway or be sat like there and you, you'd probably be able to attack early on a mountain stage. and might be able to win it. Quintana had a bit of a knack of doing that. Barguil as well uh, in the 2017 Tour de France. I, I don't think that's going to work in this year's race. I don't think we're going to see Godou being allowed to attack early on Grand Colombier and take the win tomorrow. On 14 in fact. I just think Pogac and Van Gogh are too strong on these summit finishes. This kind of day would have would would be really would have been perfect for a breakaway win for Groupama. They're probably going to look towards winning in more zine on Saturday stage. That one could really suit them. But out of the two, neither have looked brilliant in the mountains. They've been quite equally matched in the mountains. Pino lost a lot of time on a couple of just rogue stages. But in terms of like on um, they were pretty equally matched. I don't know which one's gonna finish higher. Yeah, that was I don't even a, know if they'll that, win a stage. That was quite a savage. Oh well, speaking
0: of are or winning stages, Julian Philippe didn't look great for Sudel Quickstep, but I mean that's a whole nother thing. We could spend like 10 minutes talking about that. Fabio Akutsen leaving, unfortunately, as well. Um yeah, Torsten Train crashing as well it was a quite a sad moment, but Let's see if he continues like the worst Tour de France start to anyone. So, anyways, Ewan, uh, I mean, Macho Vanderpool attacked. He was trying to outdo his uh career rival, Walt Bernard, by winning a stage. And I mean, it would have been quite fitting if he did win the stage. And uh having denied Walt Bernard so many many victories already this week, courtesy of working for Jasper Philipsen. But yeah, if was there anything Macho Vanderpool could have done to win this stage today?
1: Not attack so early, yeah. But he's not. He wasn't going to hang with the best climbers. But then, he could have been there. If anyone was going to break that like group two syndrome, Vanderpool, I think, could have attacked and maybe tried to bridge across the, is it. Is a gear He's Vanderpool. He's got that wattage. But I just think he went too early. To be honest, like I still don't think he would be there. Like
0: even well, if he, he hadn't attacked, this profile he-
1: doesn't suit him at all.
0: Yeah, that's true as well.
1: I was surprised that he went in the breakaway today. I thought the stage to Iswa maybe would have suited him better. Neither stage really suits him, but he tried. He gave us a show, but the way those three final climbs, like, think of it as one big out. If, if you had, like, an all-category climb towards the end of the profile, would we really factor Van Der Poel as a favourite? No, and I think the results kind of show that, the Stronger climbers were there in the end. Your Matteo Jorgensen's, your uh, your Tiba Pinos, Issa of the world, a lot of the sort of more ruler types, your Campanards, Ala Philippe, so forth, Ala Philippe being counted as a ruler, Oof, sorry, Punchers, like these guys who can't quite hang on on these mountain uh passes, they struggled on the stage. And Paul. I mean, may- maybe he's won the combative, combative prize update after the stage if they've won or not. I don't know. Let's let's find that out. Actually, no, just cut it out. Maybe I mean, it was a great little twenty-minute narrative of having Vanderpool up the road. It made it exciting for a while.
0: But yeah, uh, finishing with Mat Vanderpool and that absolutely exquisite piece of bike handling he showed downhill as well. That's it for stage twelve of this year's Tour de France. Make sure to well hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and let us know what you thought of the stage. Did you think Pino did tactically the right thing? Did you think Mat Vanderpool went too early? And of course, as always, we'll see you tomorrow on the live country stream on the Cycling Day main channel and check out this stage preview of tomorrow's stage here on the Cycling Day extra channel. But with that, thank you very much for watching and we will see you around.